Welcome to the Bermagui Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here you'll find the recording of messages from our weekly gatherings. We pray you'll be challenged and encouraged by today's message. So today, what I want to do is just open up with a reading. I guess to sort of set the scene. That's Philippians chapter 2. Now, there's not many passages in the Bible that I think sort of really just sort of wrap up all of Scripture or wrap up all of the, the gospel in, in one go, but this, this comes pretty close. So when Paul wrote this, he just sort of outlines, he almost describes, I guess, what we would sort of almost call a doxology, where it's sort of just this real distinct statement of sort of saying, no, this is who Jesus is. This is the way he operated. So let's just let me read from verse 1. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a humble being, a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died, on a criminal's, died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honour, and gave him the name above all other names. And at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You know, this, this idea of having the attitude of Christ. It's, uh, I guess, a theme and a thread that I've been sort of hovering on for, for the last little while. And like the, the kid's story, and you're, you're going to see a bit of a theme, I guess, running through this morning, is, um, you know, I want to ask the question, you know, who likes a good dinner party? Yeah. I know I do. There's, there's something special about gathering around the meal table with people and just enjoying that time you know, when there's, when there's food involved, for whatever reason, people relax. People just start to open up. People just do life together. You know, in my later teen years, I remember, you know, I had friends that would, you know, they'd go to the cinema for a birthday party or they'd go to, you know, one of the restaurants or they would, you know, they'd, they'd organise some sort of activity. But, you know, always enjoyed them. But the one bit I didn't like about it was that it always felt limited because there's always a limited amount of people they could invite to those sorts of activities. And so for me, when, when I went to my parents and sort of said, hey, this is what I want to do for my birthday, all I wanted to do was have people come around to the house. We had a nice big front yard. I said, look, we're just going to hang out in the front yard. We're going to listen to music. We're going to play basketball. And we're just going to eat cheap pizza. And the reason why I asked that is that because I wanted to have just an open invite. I invited my whole year group. 
you know, I was, I was in the Christian school up in Coffs Harbour and we, we didn't have a huge year group. I think by 11, year 11 and 12, we only had about 40 people. But for me, I wanted to have as many people as I could there because I didn't want to have it limited. I, I enjoyed just having people's company. And I told my friends, I said, don't worry about presents. Just bring a couple of dollars for cheap pizza and just come and hang out. Because that, that, that for me was presents enough. And I think that's carried on in, in my adulthood. I, I just thoroughly enjoyed just getting together and just, just, just enjoying time with people. And um, I don't have it set up for today, but I've been putting up a, a screen that I, that I put together where it says, like Jesus. And so for the last couple of weeks, you know, like two, weeks, or, two or three weeks ago, I, 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 I gave a message of, you know, taking time like Jesus. And, you know, last week I said, you know, we, we need to choose mercy like Jesus. So today, my my title, I guess you want to call it that, is to serve others like Jesus. And if I was to give this a sermon, I guess another title, you know, you could sort of you know, do a play on names or such, is A Tale of Three Banquets. So what I want to do is actually read just three passages about some meals, some, some dinner parties that Jesus went to, and just how he highlighted his servant attitude and his, his, his way of serving each other and just how that was so key to his nature and who he was. So out of these three dinner parties, I want to highlight just three truths about servanthood. So the first one, if you are opening your Bible to follow along, we're going to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. So this first one, it reads, so Luke chapter 10, 38. It says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Now, this first dinner really is one of these iconic ones because it's got this beautiful contrast between these two characters of Mary and Martha. You know, on one hand, we have Mary who was just, you know, sitting serenely at the feet of Jesus, taking in everything that he was offering that night, you know, his teaching and his love and his wisdom. And then on the flip side, we've got Martha slaving away over the stove, you know, worrying about this meal, making sure it was going to be the best meal she had for, for this great teacher that had come into her home. But eventually it comes to a head where Martha just goes, no, I've had enough of this, and storms out and basically confronts Jesus and says, come on, isn't this unfair? I'm in here slaving away while my sister just sits here at your feet. And I love, you know, like how far she got pushed. Pushed to the point that she felt that she had a right to tell Jesus what to do. So a bit of honesty time, people. Who here has tried to tell God what to do? <laughs> I'll put my hand up for that. <laughs> it's, it's, such a, it's such an honest response, isn't it? That we get frustrated, we get annoyed, we, we, we get confused or you know, overwhelmed to the point of just going, God, just, just fix it, will you? God, come on, you've got to do this this way. I relate to that. 
That's what Martha did. She walked in. Come on, tell her to get in here with me. And I just love the mercy and grace that Jesus showed towards her. My dear Martha. You can almost hear the tone in his voice, can't you? Oh, my dear Martha, come on. I love what Jesus does because all he does, he doesn't, doesn't reprimand her, doesn't tell her off. And he doesn't disagree with her. What he does is just gives a different perspective. You know, somewhere that night, you know, maybe she, maybe she started the night with that attitude, I don't know. But somewhere in this story, she shifted from an attitude of just serving because she wanted to show love and, and, and care for her, for her guests and for, for this great teacher in her house. She shifted from that to focus on the duty itself. She got so caught up in the, in the work that she, didn't real, she, she forgot the why, she forgot the purpose. I don't know about you, but I've, I've slipped into that pattern. You know, I've, I've grown up in the church, I've grown up doing ministry and serving you know, most of my life. And I've had moments where I've just had that wrong attitude. I was going, oh, you know, what's, what's the point? What's all this leading to? You know, no one's seeing what I'm doing. You know, where's my recognition? What, what's, what's this even doing? Is this even affecting anyone? You know, you get so caught up in the have to or the should do because that's what a good Christian boy should do. And the, the issue with this perspective and getting stuck in that pattern is that it actually doesn't rob anyone else. It steals from you. It steals a blessing that you're going to receive from serving and loving people. Yeah? I've, I've led worship. I've, I've probably even preached with that wrong attitude over the years. And people come to me after the service, oh, yeah, that was great. I got really blessed with that service. And in my head, I'm just going, Really? because I was just kicking myself and annoyed with myself or whatever else was going on in my head and just going through the motions. So the only person that got robbed in that scenario was me. So we need to make sure that as we serve, as we minister to others, that we don't get caught up like Martha. Let's not get caught up in the, in the act itself and making that the focal point. In that sense, it's not the, the, the works or the acts that we do that matter. It's the why. Why are we doing it? The purpose behind it. The purpose to be like Jesus. The purpose to show love and care and, and to, to place others before ourselves. You know, I love the wisdom that Jesus shared in this situation. You know, Dear Martha, you were worried and upset over all these details. You know, she lost, she lost track in the detail. She lost track in, in the work itself. You could almost say, you know, in, in, instead of serving her Lord, she started serving the work itself. You're upset about all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary's discovered this. I love that. He simplifies it so much. There's only one thing. Only one thing actually really being concerned or worried about. Well, not worried, but focusing on. 
keeping perspective on. That's keeping eyes on Jesus, being in his presence. Yeah? Serving's great. Yeah? We're going to get to that. Jesus was the, the epitome of servanthood. But he's still saying, but make sure that doesn't become your God. Make sure you don't lose focus of the why and the purpose behind it. Let's make sure we keep one thing, that one thing worth being concerned about, being in the presence of Jesus and being more like him. So a second banquet, that's one. Tale of, tale of three banquets. The second one. Now this one, I don't know if it was the same dinner or if it was just the same guest, but it, focuses, it brings up Mary and Martha again. This one's found in John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 1 to 8. It says, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the house of Lazarus, Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honour. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor, he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. You know, the, that previous banquet, we weren't given a time stamp and that's why I'm not sure, you know, was this the same dinner party? Was it a different one? This one does give us a time stamp. It tells us it was after, um, after Jesus has been, res- uh, not Jesus, after Lazarus has been re- resurrected. So there's a lot of uh, commotion and, and activity because of that. People were aware of that. And it's actually the start of the Passion Week. So it was six days before the Passover. So we... Get a bit of a timestamp on this one. But here the, fo- the story focuses more on Mary. Martha gets a mention. It just says that she served. I love that contrast there. So I sort of just wonder, you know, was this after that previous encounter? Was she serving now with the right attitude? Who knows? But sometimes during this dinner, Mary pulls out this expensive bottle of perfume, the essence of nard. And, you know, there's, when you read the commentaries, there's a mix of ideas of exactly what that was you know, in the sense of, you know, there's confusion over what exact plant or, or essence or mix it was. Um, and even what the container was. There's another story of, of, of the prostitute that came and brought a perfume and, and anointed Jesus' feet as well. But what they do know is that during that era, those sorts of ointments and, and perfumes, they were kept in these, quite often kept in these things called an alabaster jar. And what they were was this jar that they would put the essence in and then they would seal it. There'd be a heavy wax seal on it and the only way to open it was to actually break the bottle, to break the top of it. And there was a lot of significance around that because once it was broken, it had to be used. Couldn't keep it after that. It was sort of a, you know, yep, break that bottle, done. You know, use it up because it's ready to go in that moment. It would go off or it just would become useless after a time. And so... As I said, it was an expensive bottle. Jesus, Jesus wasn't wrong. 
He knew his money, didn't he? He had a bit of a focus on it, as the scripture says. Yeah, a year's wages. And here she is going, yep, I was going to anoint his feet. Not his head. Yeah, that was, that was common, but that was, that was the, the sign of the priest. And here she was anointing his feet. And Jesus highlights, well, no, this is actually in preparation for my burial. And the fact is, when they did prepare a body for burial, they would anoint the whole body. They would rub the whole body with different ointments and things like that. But I love the, the description, I guess, that it gives of the effect it had on the people around. Because that comment of saying, you know, and the fragrance filled the room. I think her act filled the room. Her act, obviously, just went, everyone just went, whoa, that's really cool. But the point I want to sort of highlight for this message was, in a sense, Jesus' response, leave her alone. Now, that, that statement alone really jumped out to me as I was pre- preparing for this. Because I think sometimes, especially within Christian circles, it almost feels uncomfortable to let others serve us. But here Jesus is sort of saying, no, let her do what she wants to do. Let her serve. She's making a choice. She's felt, she's felt led to do this. And what right do we have to steal the blessing that she's going to receive because of it? So my challenge is, don't be so humble that it becomes prideful that you won't let others serve you. If someone chooses to bless you, if someone chooses to serve you in a particular way, don't stop them. Because all you're going to do is rob them of the blessing that God's going to give them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost anti-humility or, or reverse humility almost to do that. And it does start to become almost a pride act. Where it's just like, well, you're sort of going, oh, you know, I'm trying to be humble too. But we can do that in humility. We can accept and receive blessing. We can accept and receive gift. Yeah, this is something I've had to work on a lot in my life. For a long time, I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah, someone tried to bless me or give me something. No, 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 it's all good. It's all good. But I remember someone giving me this exact advice. I say, no, you're actually stealing the blessing from them. If someone makes that choice, because for all you know, the Holy Spirit is directly leading them to say, no, go and bless that person. Go and do this act. And it's actually for their growth. It's for their blessing and their journey. You know, what right do you have to rob that from them? And that's what Jesus is sort of saying here. He's sort of saying, no, leave her alone. She's been led to do something amazing. So when someone comes up to you and says, hey, can I, can I do something for you? Can I do this or can I give you this? Being generous. Accept it. Accept it. Accept it humbly. Yeah, be grateful, all that sort of thing. And don't even necessarily go, well, I have to pay it back. Let people bless you. Because it's part of their journey, part of their faith walk, if you want to put it that way. Our last banquet. And this is probably one of the more iconic ones, I guess you could say, especially on this topic of servanthood. It's found in John chapter 13. So reading from verse 3 onwards, John chapter 13, verse 3. 
Jesus knew that the Father had given him all authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for his feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you, for Jesus knew who would betray him. But what he meant when he said not all of you, that's what he meant when he said not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? Do you understand what I was doing? Now, as I said, you know, anyone that's going to talk about servanthood, anyone's going to talk about you know, servant leadership, this will be one of their, their keystone passages. Because Jesus himself says, once he explains himself in this moment, says, you know, this is my example, do this. You know, as leaders, your job is to serve others. You know, put yourself last and push others first. And it is a great passage for that because it's so clear, it's so, so distinct in its explanation. You know, Jesus in this you know, seemingly simple act really showed something really profound because the verse for me that really, I guess, captures the, the depth of this moment is in that first statement. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. You know, even in his humanity, he hit this moment where he realised, I am the Son of God. I'm about to return to him. You know, all authority is in my hands. You know, I am the King of kings. I am the Lord of lords. And in that moment, in that realisation, he takes off his robe and wraps the towel around his waist. That's the Lord we serve. That's the Jesus we're called to follow after. And I want to leave that image as, the, as that last thought, I guess. I don't want to sort of expand on this much more. But the fact that Jesus, you know, being the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Son of God, in the fullness of that realisation, he humbles himself to the act of a basic servant, not even the lead servant, of washing people's feet. And the fact is, you know, it's an example that has been taken on by the world. The amount of success stories you read of, you know, great CEOs and great leaders in industry and things like that, they speak about this awareness of staying tied to the simple things, of, 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 of not being so big that they can't do the small things, of being so big that they can't just do, you know, basic simple things around in their world. Now, some of these most successful leaders, they, they're still willing and able because they've got this idea of going, no, 
for me to be a great leader, I need to be able to be a servant as well. It's an example given by the Son of God. And it works. That's why these leaders of industry, whether they believe in God or not, they realise that it's, a, it's an attitude and it's a, it's a principle that just works. So to wrap this up, you know, in our servanthood, we need to be like Jesus. We need to do these three things. Not lose focus on the why we serve. Don't get so focused on the serving that we lose sight of the purpose. Let's make sure we let others serve, and especially when they choose to serve us. Never deny them the blessing by being too proud. Finally, let's follow the best example we've got. The heart and the example of the greatest servant of all. The one who truly had it all. He had every right to be king. He had every right to be Lord. To sit there and have everyone serve him. Who truly had it all but laid it all aside for our sake. Be like Jesus. Serve others like Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for this word. I thank you for this message. And I thank you for the challenge, Lord God. And I pray that each of us, Lord God, in our daily walk, Lord God, whether it, whether it be just simple things with family, simple things with friends, or whether it be in our workplace, Lord God, I pray that we can see the opportunities and see where our attitude and where our focus needs to be to serve others well. To lay aside, lay aside our own whatevers, Lord God, for the sake of others. And I pray, Lord God, that we can always just come at that with the right attitude. And I pray, Lord God, that we can allow others to do that to us, to serve us. I thank you, Lord God, for the challenge. I thank you, Lord God, for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.